Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. My name is Courtney. And we talk about the do-dos and don't-dos of personalized learning, don't we? We absolutely do. We do. Today we're going to talk about something on our parking lot. So feedback from listeners. Love it. And to say, the parking lot looks a little weird to me anyway. So I'm going to go in and see if I can make it look less weird. But so here's what we got. So PD ideas, question mark. Listening to the podcast and hearing about the Upgoer 5 made me wonder about other PD opportunities highlights need for personal learning. I will suggest there's a website that we'll link to, um, website name here, and challenge our teachers to use it as a game with their families or to spend some time on it themselves or with their class. Basically what he's pointing to, like someone else made a website where you can go and try to use (laughs) <laughs> the 10 hundred words <laughs> to explain something it's cool um so <laughs> and and so anyway, it's and it's super difficult I'm assuming it's a heat. it is super difficult too it's really hard yeah it's really hard <laughs> yeah so this this person is, is going to use use that with our staff fantastic um on my list also is to watch most likely to succeed on amazon prime or wherever else you can see movies any other recommendations to help teachers catch the vision hmm why yes 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 we do have some <laughs> suggestions <laughs> thank you Love it. thank you for asking <laughs> all right here we go yeah so i want to start in with um anytime you can make people do the thing do it like take the time and stop talking at people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like, no, of course we're talking at you right now, but that's, <laughs> this is a podcast. So you chose it, <laughs> but that's number one. When, when you're designing professional learning, think about what it is, what is it that you want the professionals to learn and um, have them actually do it. That's not major, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's like, not rocket science. Have actually do it. Right. It's not rocket science. No. So, so, so this idea, if we want people to think more clearly about how they're communicating about education, yeah, have them go do things like this where they can only use the 10 hundred most commonly used words um, or, you know, whatever else. Have them practice giving elevator speeches to people. Have them, you know. Um, yes, it takes time, but that's how we learn, not by just listening. They have, people have to actually do it. The, the other thing I would say is um, get strategic about it. Start modeling the kinds of practices or philosophies that you want people to start adopting, but you don't have to say it. You don't have to point it out for a little while, like imagine if you spent a year just giving professionals, giving them choice about their professional learning, expecting them really and truly to kind of make goals and work towards something or share evidence of their learning to certain you know, outcomes that you put out there, like make them actually live it. And then after they're living it, do that step back and say like, so, hey, what did you notice about how we've been doing this lately? Um, that's a completely legit way to go about um, 
exposing people and getting people to think differently. So here's my question. Yeah. So here's my question on that one is if I am uh, a leader that's trying to implement something new in my district and trying to do the thing you just described that is different than a sit and get, which is the usual, right? Where somebody, as you said, speaks at you and then you go and do it. Uh, but embed them in the actual learning and the actual process. What does it actually feel like? What does it, what does it sound like? What does it look like? Yeah. And I'm thinking of some of the ways that, that we've done some of these presentations in the past uh, where we do embed and model that directly. That makes mm-hmm. so many people uncomfortable because it's not yeah. the usual, right? And I, we've right. been in some sessions with you know, hundreds of people and by the time we're finished or even half an hour in, uh, there's less hundreds of people <laughs> because people leave, right? Because, <laughs> because you're uncomfortable. And I think when, yeah. I think the part that hit me the most there was like embed them in this type of process for a year or so to get them used to the process and doing those step backs. But now you're actually experiencing the thing that you want to, uh, to teach your staff uh, whatever that may be, but they're actually living it at the same time. And yeah. once they get used to the new process that it's not about sit and get anymore, I think it becomes a lot easier in this case. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. about myself yeah. and personally for this one, when, you know, it used to be all just sit and get until we started thinking of these things and doing it a little bit different. And it was super awkward for me who was doing it at first, but you get used mm-hmm. to it, right? You get used yeah. to it. And then yeah. it just becomes a, something of who you are. So I think some of the, the pushback would come from just what I said, that people aren't used to that. They'll never listen. It's like, well, at first you're going to have some that listen and some that are interested, but not sure. And then some that will just right. walk out, but that's going to be yep. the case for everything you do anyway. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is uncomfortable. And um but that's how, um, that's, that's when you're uncomfortable, that's when learning is happening. Exactly. You know, and so if we're going to talk about that and how like that's a frame for planning our instruction with learners, and we're going to talk about that with our young people, um, grown up people have to do it, have to experience it too. You've got to know what that discomfort feels like, right? Um, and you have to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, um, I don't think it's productive learning to hear and to watch or hear about a new way of doing something and then immediately go try to do it. Like embed some practice, right? Like if we think about it, when we're talking about when we build what Matt and I have called um, applied learning opportunities, right? For or learner-centered project-based learning opportunities. Same thing, mm-hmm. we just interchange the name kind of depending on our audience sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, very intentionally in that, there's time for the learners to practice, revise, make mistakes, da-da-da, right? So we have to do the same thing for adults. If we want them to practice learning, making, you know, using learning menus, they've got to experience using the learning menus for themselves and they also need time to practice making them right 
Okay. So um, if if you just if we just gave a presentation, just talked about learning menus and showed them and explained them without letting anyone actually interact with them, the success rate of implementation would be so much lower. Okay. Okay, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, my response would be, so when are they ready to use these in actual practice in their classrooms? Uh, rather than, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna practice making them and interacting with them and doing with them, like our, the ones we do with you know, the shoelaces and that, yeah. that sort of thing. But when is a teacher ready to go and how long do you allow them to just keep on practicing until they get it perfect? Oh, well, there's no such thing as perfect. So mm. you just, I mean, I think they can try right away. I just think that the teachers will feel better about their implementation if they have had the time to play, to, I always call, I always call learning play. If they've had the time to interact and wrestle with it on their own, um, not with their learners mm -hmm. first, right? Like, I, I don't think, sense. like, if you're kind of trying to get around, like, you know, do you tell people they can't use it yet? Like, no, no, by all means, if you, if you have some kind of learning experience and people want to use it the next day, absolutely let them, fine. Mm -hmm. um, do you come to agreements about, like, when you're expected to start using them? Yeah, I think that's fair, mm -hmm. you know, um, but you have to give time. Right, just like with with learners, and some people are going to it's going to click, and they'll implement it the next day, and they'll innovate on it, right? And they'll come back to you and be like, "Look what I did!" You're going to be like, "That's genius! I've never thought of doing it that way with that." <laughs> and and other people are going to you know go very slow and need need some more support, and other people are going to you know be okay with it after a while. Um, you have to right. be ready for all of that. I think that's a, I think that's a better way of yeah. thinking than everybody is expected to now that we've had this presentation now that we've learned about this everybody's <laughs> go start doing it because you're going to yeah. have the exact same levels of implementation as you just described anyway right yeah. some are going to be right. really good off the bat a lot are going to be kind of in the middle figuring out as they go and they're okay with that some people are going to go and figure it out as they go and really not be okay with that and then yeah. some people are just not going to do it so mm -hmm. if you, I like what you said about having that end goal in mind, that this is the date that we think yeah. is plenty of time to have that support. If you're uncomfortable with something and don't know how to do things, that's fine. That's totally fine. But here's the support to help you get to that point because we're all going exactly. to get there. And I think that sometimes yeah. is the missing point, right? That we, we know yeah. our end goal in mind and we know what we want to do now we kind of miss the middle a little bit about how long is this going to right. take? Where's the support to help the people that need the support? Just like we do with our kids, yeah. right? We, we have to have that support for our kids. It's not just like, well, you know, right. suck it up, go figure it out. It's like, yeah. that's, that doesn't really work for our kids. Why would it work for adults? It doesn't work for adults. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, so I think, and then I want to switch to kind of the, the other part of their question here okay. about like the recommendations for to help teachers catch the vision. I, I think I really like the phrasing of catch the vision, right? Cause it is, mm -hmm. it's um, once, once you, it's, 
maybe maybe these aren't the best times to be talking about catching viruses and being excited about it. But once you catch the bug, right, and you really kind of start to understand and see how personalized learning can be, um, you really want other people to get it. But it takes uh, sometimes it takes a long time for people to get. It. So here's so lately I've been thinking, and so this person talked about. Um, maybe watching most likely to succeed. And I have not seen the movie, but I have read the book. And I do think that the book is highly useful um, for getting people to examine the current reality of public education and think about why we do some of the things we do. And that's exactly what we want, what you need to do is you need to get in order for people to be able to even think about a new reality, they have to think about the current reality and examine it a little bit more. So that's, I've been thinking about that lately about how do we, this question, right? Like how do you get people to embrace change in education? It's really hard. Mm. Um, and I, I've started to think that it really comes down to what I just said, getting people to um, really examine the current reality and current practices, and also in tandem with that, understand the history of our education system. I think that is left out way too much. Can you explain a little bit about like a specific of what you mean by that? A specific of understanding the history of our education system yeah yeah like why do you yeah, why so, do you think that's like one of the biggest missing pieces because i think when people actually go back and look and see wh wh why the how the why and the when of what public education in the united states how it started when it started and why it started um people have kind of visceral reactions because it's a little bit painful from a current um, from a current stance to look back on that and see and then to also learn where our model of education came from so here's the gist and I will um, Matt I'll give you some resources to put in the mm -hmm. to put in the, the show notes for people to go learn more about this okay but the super fast gist is that um, once the industrial era hit and uh, people were moving more into the cities and it became very clear that we needed to be able to educate and math, right? It was no longer just the rich people could hire um, tutors for their children because that's how education was mm -hmm. until like the, you know, roughly mid late 1800s. It was very much privileged people got educated right mm -hmm. um or and then it became those like kind of that small one-room schoolhouse but then it became clear like when there were the population centers and what do we do with all these kids um the group of 10 i believe it's called right <laughs> it's mm -hmm. something very like like ridiculous sounding like that yep. it's pretty much 10 10 people 10 white old old white men got together and decided what the public education system should look like. And they looked to how the British 
occupiers of India and other colonized areas set up quote unquote schooling there for the and those in, in those areas the purposes of schooling was to um, create a submissive society. It was about re-socialization to the colonizers preferences. So think about just like think about like just think about those things for a few minutes there. <laughs> so there there's a lot that I did not know in what you just said. So um it makes a lot more sense these days <laughs> about why school is the way it is and what it's designed for. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And then going back and looking at the history of grading and we've which is tied to the history of the education system. Mm -hmm. Right. So um so it's it's I think that when people now in 2021 look back on that and really try to understand how our system came to be and why it came to be, um, it becomes much more of a moral imperative for it to change. It's the committee of 10, by the way, which sounds even creepier. Well, see, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the committee of 10. It's like, oh, okay. So that's that's really interesting. And I think that would be, do you think that's a place to start or just a place to integrate with what we're trying to do for change, wherever you may be? Uh, I think I think it's something you integrate. Like, yeah. I think you you combine, like, I don't think it's a good idea to be like, sit down everyone and like- <laughs> Here's like, a history lesson. Onslaught them with like the, you know, with all of that. But I think it's pieces over time, right? I think okay. you start with, with this is like starting with why right so yeah. you get people to really think about what is it that you believe about education and what is it that you believe the purpose of education is so, i'm pretty sure 99 percent of educators right now especially those of you listening to us if you take five minutes and write down what you think the purpose of education is it is not to condition and re-socialize people to be uh submissive so we are not portugal <laughs> nope so i think i think that's uh as you're as you're talking about connecting it all into these different pieces and and being a part of it but not start there it sounds like you're saying that districts or schools that want to change what whoever it may be really needs to have a lot of this stuff thought out beforehand or but before you roll any of this out to your teachers you need mm -hmm. to have figured out what that why is for us whether it be yeah. you know how you organize how you're going to help uh your learners how you're going to grade your learners how they're going to progress through your system those things need to be well thought out beforehand otherwise mm -hmm. you're just kind of playing like whack-a-mole right like this year we're going to reform grading practices and it's going to take us yeah. three years and then we're right. going to do something else that we think that we're going to think of in the next three years and it's like <laughs> we'll come up with it we'll come up with it then yeah and yeah. it's like that's yeah. that yeah. You, you have to have the whole system down for the most part understanding what that why is going to be 
before you can attack any of these larger questions as you're bringing up to have it make sense to our teachers. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to, you have to at least have a why and a vision, right? Someone has to have it. And then someone has to work to bring others along and, and add on to the vision. And so, you know, we, we got a little big and heady and I got a little like, you know, whatever with you all, but um, at its core, this idea of a shared experience together is fantastic. Yeah, some kind of shared experiences. They can be short, short. like there are some really fantastic like five minute or so videos out there about the history of grading. Um, the ABCDEF system, mm -hmm. you know, have everyone watch that and then have a structured discussion. I think the key is it's not so much having it all planned out as having um, kind of like the key understandings, right, that you need people to get to, having right. those laid out and then having um, structures, protocols and being thoughtful about moving people towards those understandings and through those understandings. It, almost like having those tenets in place for a particular yeah. district that you can always yeah. point to, that's your why. Right. And yeah. now this is how we're going to get to all of those things. And then you can start designing those. So those things and like, Hey, you don't, have, you don't, you said you don't really have to be super specific about all the details, but you should have no, those yeah. things in place about this is where we're going. Now let's make a plan to get there that incorporates a lot of the things you just mentioned today. So I think that's a, yeah. a good place to end it. And I think it all tied, even though we did, you know, talk about the committee of 10 in Portugal and India and all that sort of thing. I think you tied it up really nicely about making sure that we're embedding those experiences in with our teachers and always pointing yeah. to the why. So yeah. Nice job, Courtney. Hey, thanks, Matt. Hey, you know what? We, you and I do a really good job at. What's that? Well, podcasting, but. Um, sure. Leading, no. <laughs> um, leading, leading professional learning. We do. So if, you, if you all didn't know, um, yeah, Matt and I are, are, are a team. And uh, I mean, you could try to contract with one of us separately, but we're probably going to convince you to bring the other one along anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. Way better. Way <laughs> like, better. But. Yeah, but but seriously, like we do, um, we are for hire. You can reach out to us and talk to us about um, professional learning in your district or your schools. We mm -hmm. we are bi-coastal, right? So mm -hmm. we make the virtual life work. And when we're allowed to be back in person, we would love to travel to your district and mm -hmm. spend some time with you. Um, or even if it's just you want to set up some, you know, just consulting time to talk with us and we can just talk with you and help you work through your professional learning plan. Um, so you can reach out, you can get us both plearnmc at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. That's our email and um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to work with some of you. Mm -hmm. You can also if, find, you, know, all of, you can find that information right on our website also at plearnmc.com about yeah. con consulting services and podcasting services. Yeah. So um, all of our email addresses are there. So go ahead, Courtney. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, I want to say that, you know, it's, um, I don't know that either of us are great at self-promotion <laughs> in that way, but um, it's true. And when sometimes when we see questions on the parking lot that are about like, well, what do I do for personalized learning? You know, behind the curtain, you all, Matt and I are like, hire us. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think anybody yeah. who uh, anybody yeah. who follows our Twitter feed is pretty aware that we are clueless when it comes to self promotion. Yeah, we we. Well, it's terrible. Yeah. We're bad at it. So this is we our, are. This is our like we won't talk again about about it for a couple of years. But you can hire us. But you can. <laughs> but you can. Yeah, and we'd love we'd love to start those conversations about uh, what your needs might be and how we can help support that. So please get in touch with us uh, either by uh, email or right through Twitter. You can always send us direct messages. I mean, I'd email, (laughs) just just knowing. That's right, that's right. Our social media manager (laughs) doesn't really work out anymore. So that's very true. (laughs) We need to get a new one. That's true. Uh, I think that's a good place to end for today. Uh, we'll put a lot of these links right in the show notes and you can always interact with us on Facebook or Twitter. We may or may not be there, but you know, we'll, we'll do our darndest, uh, but always email us. You can always get in touch with us. Uh, everything you learn MC. And uh, with that, we'll talk next week sometime. We're just